0: Ta-da! Introducing a set of episodes that are going to get into detail on each of the 21 challenges in the book Life Living Intentional and Fearless Every Day, the 21 Life Connection Challenges. If you're a regular listener, you know this is my latest book. You know that I plug it at the end of every episode, but this new set, and they won't be consecutive, but I'm putting together over 2020 different episodes that highlight the challenges so you can understand a little more about why they're there. In May of 2018, I tackled the first challenge in these 21 challenges, and it was to do a random act of kindness. This was in episode 89, so it's been a little while, but you can go back and listen to it. But in that episode, we got a group together who went out and we all did random acts of kindness together. And then we came back and I recorded their experiences for you guys in the audience and shared it. And it it was interesting, the stuff that came up, the the good and the bad. I mean, it was just a really hands-on, genuine recording of what was difficult about random acts of kindness and what was satisfying, but it got into the more of the details of why that random act of kindness is really powerful. So that's challenge number one. Now, I'm coming on to challenge number two here which in the book is about taking a step toward decluttering our spaces. That's where we're at today. Clutter edited, less is better. This episode is a discussion about why that actually matters and it's not just a quip or a a thing that's going on. Let's talk about the incredible importance of this concept. The challenge itself is to start out by getting rid of just one unneeded item that you have in your house. It's a stepping stone to a bigger clearing, but we always start. The challenges are just to get us started. So stay tuned as I start the second in a series of episodes that will delve more deeply into the 21 Life Connection challenges, and we'll talk about how and why these challenges are going to make your life better. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story Power serves you best when you know how to use it. We call it decluttering, paring down, downsizing, making space, trending toward minimalism. Heck, maybe it's just cleaning house. The trend with the millennials is to own less so that they can do more, move faster, have more freedom, save money by needing less space and create a smaller carbon footprint. Every generation has a few signature ideas and those ideas usually flow in the opposite direction of those of their parents. It's no secret that their parents' generation is about accumulation. Their grandparents, the boomers, they lived through times of rationing and the wars and the natural tendency towards survival, which is to collect, to make sure you'll always have enough, to store up against the needy day. Well, now we live in a time of abundance and accumulation is that natural tendency. You can buy anything you want with money and more and more and more of it. And you get on Amazon and they send it to you the next day and you've got packages and you've got more and the stuff is piling around you. But it's sort of hit an apex. Now it's time to manage it. More is not better. And he who dies with the most toys is still dead. And he who lives with the most clutter just leaves a lot of shit for people to sort through. Hoarding, yeah, it's a word we hear far too often these days. And as a realtor who spends a lot of days going through houses, I can verify this is a real thing. Graham Hill, talking from the TED stage, shares some interesting ideas about the state of America and our clutter. Listen in.
1: What's in the box? Whatever it is, must be pretty important because I've traveled with it, moved it from apartment to apartment to <laughs> apartment. <clears throat> Sound familiar? <laughs> did you know that we Americans have about three times the amount of space we did 50 years ago? Three times. So you think with all this extra space, we'd have plenty of room for all our stuff, right? Nope. <laughs> There's a new industry in town—a $22 billion, 2.2 billion square foot industry that of personal storage. So we've got triple the space, but we become such good shoppers that we need even more space. So where does this lead? Lots of credit card debt, huge environmental footprints. And perhaps not coincidentally, our happiness levels flatline over the same 50 years. Well, I'm here to suggest there's a better way, that less might actually equal more. In
0: my book, Life, Living Intentional and Fearless Every Day, challenge number two is to choose at least one unneeded item and get rid of it. It's that simple. I've already mentioned it. But at any given moment, I want to point out that there's a good chance that we have clutter around us. Maybe it's that. Gaggle of water bottles being thrown from side to side in the back seat of your car as you turn corners, or the stuff on your kitchen cabinets that's successfully hiding the surface that you could be actually using to cook on. What about your office or the garage that you can't actually park a car in? Often we've become so used to our clutter, we don't even see it anymore. That's a scary space. But I want to challenge you here to look a little closer. Why? If you start cleaning up some of the external clutter, you'll notice that internal clutter disappears as well. This challenge is important on many levels. There is a freeing of energy that takes place when we release our hold on material items. This freeing of energy translates into our mental state in far deeper ways than we even realize. I shared this in an earlier episode, but in my late 20s, my husband and I sold our home. We packed all our belongings into storage shed so that we could hop in a trailer and travel for a year, hitting all the national parks. Well, despite being hundreds of miles away from all of my things that I used in a home, I can verify that there was an energetic tie to my stuff. It was always there. I knew where my stuff was. I could feel it. There was just a tie. We have a connection to our belongings, a real connection. And this is great because our things are there to serve us, to help us do what we want and need to do. But too often, we forget the part where we let go of them, where we let them move on to help someone else when they've accomplished their time with us. And instead, it seems to just become more about what can I control and what can I claim and what can I store up against maybe that someday Julia Cameron said, quote, when we clear the physical clutter from our lives, we literally make way for inspiration and good orderly direction to enter, Unquote. That alone, that alone, if that was all we got from it, is incredibly valuable to be able to be in tune to inspiration and orderly direction. That's worth decluttering our external spaces. Challenge number two in the 21 Life Challenges isn't just about keeping a tidy home. It's about taking a step on the path to freeing our energy and our hearts and our minds. Let's talk about an important fact. More stuff does not equate with more happiness. I think oftentimes that we collect because we think if we have more choices, that we'll be happier. But the paradox is that the more choices we have, the more paralyzed we become. Why does Five Guys Burger Place do so well? Could it be because they only have a few choices? You can buy a burger and fries and a milkshake, and, and that's basically your choices. And in proving some of Barry's research, I can verify that those large menus frustrate me. They prolong my decision-making, and they often leave me with regret. Have you noticed that in your own life? So this research that I'm referring to is, comes from Swarthmore College psychologist Barry Schwartz. He's the author of The Paradox of Choice, and he said from the TED stage that the results of too many choices creates paralysis, reconsidering our choices and the opportunity costs with those, which reduce our happiness. It's a really good talk, but he points out that it creates an escalation also of our expectation because when we have lots of choices to choose from, that we expect whatever the final choice is to be fantastic, to be perfect. If we have more choices for things, we have higher expectations, which really brings about less satisfaction. If we are collecting and keeping and storing and hoarding to create happiness for ourselves, we're on the wrong path. Note that. Okay, so where do we start? This is going to come up a couple times here because we always we want to put action, thought to action. Here's a tip from ideas.ted.com. They say, quote, Have you ever looked in your kitchen cabinets and wondered why you have so many mugs or cups, yet you use so few of them? Pick out the ones that make you the happiest because some choice is better than no choice, but too much choice complicates and clutters. Let's talk to a professional. Today, I have invited a professional organizer, Ashley, to hop on a quick interview and talk about a couple of things, namely the physical and the mental aspects of getting rid of clutter. A little bit about Ashley. Ashley spent 15 years as a radio DJ and a voiceover artist. And four years ago, she decided to step out on a limb and turn a talent that she'd always had for organizing into a full-time professional organizing business. Her business is called Rethink Clutter, which focuses on the emotional attachments that we have to our stuff. And she empowers others to recognize and overcome them. So we're going to find out what kind of emotional ties that we need to be aware of as, as we seek to unclutter our own lives. Ashley has an organizational grid that teaches you how to declutter, how to get organized, how to increase your productivity. And she's worked with people on everything from Etsy shops to corporate offices, garages, man caves, craft room, pantries, you name it. So I'll have her information also in the show notes. So if you want to get a hold of her, if you need a little help, but... Everything Ashley does is with intent to own her life instead of being owned by her stuff. And she's going to help us figure out how to do that today, too. So thanks for taking some time to chat with us today, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me here. I love your podcast. I'm grateful to be here. Yay. So the first question I want to ask you is, how do we start this? That's always the first question, and it's always the one where I have
2: to go the deepest. So if you're ready to go deep with me, I'd love to answer that question. Take Um, us deep. Anytime somebody says, I want to get organized, the first thing we think of is, hey, I'm going to go to Target and buy bins. I'm going to go to the container store and buy bins. And it always backfires, and everybody wonders why. And my argument is, look, before we can do anything physical, before we buy any bins at all, we have to approach the mental side and say, okay, why am I doing this? What am I doing? What are my goals? And how am I being held back by my own thoughts and my own mind? And so in my experience, there are five different things that hold us back from being able to let go fully and have that that purposeful ownership that we really wanna have. So, number one, quickly, and it's not an emotion in and of itself, but it's the emotional ties that we have to time is number one. So, you know, I, I don't have time to deal with this right now. I'll, I'll wait until later. And then it just piles up and piles up. Or the I need to take time. I just had a loss or I just had a big change. And I need to be able to take the time to make sense of my world again and look at some of those things that remind me of memories. Number two is nostalgia for those people who say, oh, this is just so meaningful. There's no way I can get rid of anything because everything is so important to me. What we have to be cautious for, though, is there is fake nostalgia. Nostalgia has to do two things. It has to make us happy and it has to connect us with something greater. If it doesn't do those two things, that's not real nostalgia. And we have to be really careful to find a true nostalgic item. And that's a true treasure that we want to save forever and always and
0: if you know if it withstands the
2: test of time
0: that we already talked about then great can I share two examples of that yes. before we get too far away, so just to make sure that I'm on point here, so my husband, not to call him out, has lots of piles of mail right, and really <laughs> like that he just gets them and, them and piles them and piles them and piles them because of the time thing of I don't have time mm-hmm. to go through this, but probably at mm-hmm. some point I should look at what my insurance company wants to say to me right, and then pretty soon <laughs> he's got boxes of this stuff like. Just go through it like when you get it, then it's only three or four pieces a day. But that doesn't, that's not how he works. So, you know, what would you say to him?
2: Reevaluate how much time you think it actually takes you to go through mail. And just because you open it doesn't mean you have to deal with it right now. It just means that you're filtering. So if you take the time to go through the mail right now, a stopwatch. One of the reasons why we don't actually get in and do things is, you know, oh, it takes me 20 minutes to unload the dishwasher. I hate it. I'll just wait until later. Well, really, if you time yourself, every time you unload the dishwasher, it takes you three minutes. I know. Well, I just had an incorrect (laughs) time association with this task. And so that's where I would start with somebody who said, oh, I just don't have time. I just don't have time. Well, really, how long does it take you to open the mail? It might take you a long time, but if half of it is junk mail, Then you take three minutes now to sort through what's junk and what's not. And then when you have the time set aside to go look at all of your bills or what your insurance company has to say, then you can take the time to really dig into something deeper, but really create a correct time association with whatever task you need to do.
0: Okay. That's great. So the second example comes from a conversation I just had about a half hour ago. Nice. And I'm talking with one of my friends and he's explaining how he and his son have had so many good memories on his razor and he doesn't have room to keep it anymore from a storage perspective. And so he's tried to sell it, but he just can't because even though he got offers on it, it just means too much to him because he and his son had such good times on it. And I said, great. Well, you know, let it stay there until it feels like it's, it's time To move on. And he said, I just don't have room to store it either. And, you know, and he laughs at himself a little about it. And he said, in reality, I know that the memories have been made. I know that that relationship with my son has, you know, been built through those years of working on the razor and riding on the razor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that this recreational vehicle has been a great catalyst for building this. But now... He doesn't have the same interest in it, and I don't have room to store it. So it's kind of hard for me to let go of, but I know that it's kind of almost served its time. What would you say Mm -hmm. to him? So, first of all, pay attention to the time reference because sometimes
2: all it takes is that time to sit in it for a minute, you know, to process that and say, okay, you know what, this was amazing and this was wonderful. And now. Right now, I'm not ready to to get rid of it. But you know what? Maybe even in two more weeks, you know, if I just take it out for a couple more spins and I relive those memories and those stories, maybe then time will tell me that, yeah, I'm done. And that's okay. And we shouldn't feel guilty about that. One of the things, though, if push does come to shove and we need to get rid of something before we have been able to take the time to process, one of the things we can do is start writing down the stories and recognize that it's the story that is the valuable thing. The thing itself only helps us recall the stories. But it's the memory and the time and the people that is really what we're after. And so if we have to get rid of the thing for whatever reason connect again with the people, call them up and say, hey, do you have five minutes to remember this time with me? So just take five minutes. That's it. I just need to think about this right now for for five minutes. And that's it. It doesn't have to be a two-hour walk down memory lane. It's just, hey, reconnect with the person with whom you made the memory so that those memories stay fresh and stay alive without needing the actual object
0: to help you remember that. Sure. And I really like the idea of the writing it down because then you do have something concrete also, not yes. just the conversation, but something concrete of, of the memory as in mm-hmm. something concrete, even if it's just a page. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Thank you. Okay. So number three, back to your list. Oh, this one is kind of a two-edged sword. This is guilt. And this
2: is when we feel guilty. Guilt kind of leaks into the other four. Because whether it's because we've received something as a gift or it's still good and I feel guilty getting rid of it because I just wasted a whole bunch of money or whatever the reason, we can feel both guilty hanging on to things. You know, somebody else could be getting benefit from this, but I just can't, like, but it's mine and I have it. And so I feel guilty keeping it. But on the other hand, I feel guilty getting rid of it because somebody gave it to me or because I spent money on it or because... So whenever we feel guilt, that's a good indication that this is past its prime, that we need to be done with this and then we need to move on. And we do that by paying the gratitude forward. So instead of feeling guilt, we feel gratitude. And there again, that's another one of those uh, times when we can call the person up that gifted us an item and say, hey, guess what I just found? Can you believe that after all these years, I still have it? Hey, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being my friend. You always had the best things to share with me. I obviously don't need this anymore. If you'd like it back, I'd be more than happy to send it to you. But really, I just wanted to call and say thank you, that I so appreciate your friendship and make it about the person rather than the thing. It was the thing that sparked the memory, but it's the person that makes you the most grateful. So reconnect with the person And then get rid of the thing and stop feeling so blasted guilty.
0: And you know what I think is lovely about the process? I'm not sure which book this comes from, but the idea of the things that come to us to help us to do certain things or to give us certain things in our life. And things are there for us to accomplish the things we need to accomplish, right? Maybe, maybe it's yes. just comfort or maybe it's enjoyment yeah. or whatever it is, but it comes to walk with us for a little bit on our path. But just because we get a thing doesn't mean it's supposed to be with us forever. forever. And there's that space of thanking the thing, right? Yes. Thanking the thing and saying Thank you for being here. Maybe it's just a great sweater. Thank you for the warmth and the comfort that you gave me. And now I'm going to let you go into the world and find someone else to give that comfort to and then donate it to the Goodwill, right? Yes, or yes. Or thank you, you know, maybe it's like you say, a, a gift that somebody else gave you. Thank you for sharing the love of that person with me. And thank you for, you know, whatever service it gave you. And then you set it free to go into the world and do whatever is next on its line, you know, help whoever else it can help or be with whoever else it needs to be with. And I think that by doing that, it's also a tool that allows us to let go of things with a sense of gratitude and also with the sense that it still has another purpose out there that it needs to go do and you're allowing it to do that. It makes it easier to let go. I think
2: that's the forgotten side of gratitude is that we can be grateful for something that we have had and say, you know, that came to me at exactly the right time in the moment that I needed it most. I'm done with it now, so I can move on. But the forgotten side is that somebody else can be grateful for the same thing. Somebody else can find it and go, wow, this came to me in exactly the right time, exactly when I needed it. And we forget about the other side. And so if we think about the other side and say, there is somebody out there that needs this just as much as I needed it when I had it, it It
0: connects us to the greater humanity, you know, I have and I a friend think that's a lost art, yeah, I do too. And I have a friend that she goes to secondhand stores and she does it with a prayer in her heart of what might I find? what treasure might I find, and who might I be inspired to give it to? Oh, and that's I, amazing and it's kind I of her, it's kind of her hobby, but I think she does it number one because secondhand stores are affordable, right? So you can yes. you can find great deals and it's fun, but she does it with the approach of. You know, when I see a certain thing and feel inspired that it goes with a certain person, then I can gift that to them. And then she'll, you know, buy it and she can stretch her dollar because it's secondhand, but it's also giving, you know, it's re giving these a new life, you know, a new yes. life journey for another thing. And at the same time, fulfilling her need to be a giver and a lover. I hesitate to define all the reasons that she might do it, but <laughs> but that idea, she's actually a perpetuator of this where's the next space that this item needs to be in and who does it need to help now? Exactly, exactly. I love that. Thank you.
2: So the next one is really big because we hear it in so many different ways and I call it perceived value. So something that we think has more value than what it actually does and we could make a long list of how it sounds you know, from, well, I spent a lot of money on this to my kids are going to want this someday to whatever it might be. It sounds like a lot of different excuses, but it really comes down to perceived value, how much value we put into this. And I don't care what the value is. We need to take a step back and say, what is the value for me? Is the value in selling it and actually trying to recoup some of the money? Okay, well, I have to try to remember then that I'm not going to be able to include nostalgia in the value of this object. So I can't overprice it. You know, is the value in giving this to my kids and seeing their face light up when they get this 20 years from now great? But are they even going to remember it 20 years from now? Is the value actually using it now with your children, creating memories now with your children? So that whatever pieces you might save, you know, out of an old tea set, even if you only have one little chipped saucer left, when you gift it to them in 20 years, they go, oh, mom, you kept this because they have memories of it with you. So what is the actual value of this object? Is the value gifting it to somebody who can use it? Is the value just getting it out of your house so that you have room to work and cope? What is the value of the object and how can you proactively attain the value? So stop seeing just dollar signs around the house and start saying, okay, what
0: value does this actually have for me? Some of the things I value the most are of really very little value. If I tried to sell them, they would be yeah, right? nothing to anyone else. But And a lot of it's gear. Like I prize. I value my sports gear so highly. Right. That, <laughs> you know, I'll have an old pair of skis that I've skied on for years that I love. And I am going to ski them until they come Unlaminated because uh, I know I they're it. a damn good pair <laughs> of skis and I researched the heck out of them to find right? them. Pair of skis. Yeah. But didn't you know nobody else would give me a couple hundred bucks for them despite no. the thousands I spend on them, you know? Or you know, have a really great sleeping pad or my 12 pairs of snowshoes, and those are super valuable to me because partially because of you know the reviews I did in magazines to. Get the gear or the memories that I've made with them, or you know all of those runs yeah. down the ski hill, yeah. whatever, whatever it is. But they're very just. I prize gear, and yes, and you know what? And for me, really, then I surround myself with that stuff because I love it. But it holds very little value if I tried to resell it. You know, right? It, but you have found the value
2: that it, what value it holds to you, and you're keeping it. You're going after it, and you don't care. You know what other people might value it as, but that's not the point. The point is, what's the value of it for you? Which is so happiness. <laughs> You're doing it right. Good job. Exactly. The true meaning of my happiness is my gear. <laughs> that's
0: <is> so bad.
2: <laughs> oh, dude! No, not at all. The last one, however, is the probably the most difficult for most people because it is so deep inside the oldest part of our brain. And the last one is fear. That actually manifests itself as saying things like, I'm going to keep this just in case. And I can hear groans all around the world as all your, Oh, I get it. Yeah. I say that all the time. Okay. So when we say just in case, this is a fear-based response. Saying, I'm not in control of the situation. There could be a point in time when the thing that I think I need to get rid of is actually going to save my life. I grew up without, my grandparents grew up without. You know, this stretches back into the history of the United States of, you know, the westward expansion where you could only bring what you could fit in your wagon, and that included your family. And then going through the Great Depression and then all these different things in history. So we have it ingrained in our brain that stuff equals wealth, stuff equals livelihood, stuff equals prestige, equals survival. And so we have a really deep, deep trigger in the back of our brain that says, no, you can't let go. You might need that someday. And so we hold on to it. And that's just plain fear. And fear elicits an anxiety response in us that makes us afraid and say, no, we can't do that. You know, so I I feel better. This is my comfort blanket to be surrounded by a whole bunch of stuff. And this is where it becomes difficult because 95% of our responses, our behavior is based on emotion, not logic. But the only way to combat this particular fear is through logic. And we approach it the same way that we would approach an anxiety uh, disorder even to say, okay, what is the possibility of this happening? What is the possibility of the sun exploding tomorrow? Is it possible? Well, sure, it's possible. Okay, what is the probability of the sun exploding tomorrow? Well, it's not good. Not good at all. And so because we can approach it logically and say the probability of said thing happening, the probability of me using 35 cloth napkins at a Christmas party that I've hosted for the last five years and I have always used paper napkins so that I didn't have to do laundry? What's the probability and even the possibility of me using 35 cloth napkins at Christmas? Zero! Okay then. Here is where we have to act against what our brain has been telling us for generations. And we have to get rid of it anyway. That's all there is to it. There isn't a key. There isn't a secret. There isn't a hack. What we have to do is say, okay, what's the possibility? What's the probability? And if the logic says, get rid of it, then you have to get rid of it.
0: So here, here comes in. Yes. Here comes in challenge number two of the 21 Life Connection Challenges, which is get rid of one thing. You have to start somewhere, right? Yeah. yeah. And just what you said, face that fear, let it go. Let one thing go and see if you live through it. (laughs) Because as I have started to do this, and even as I've been working on this episode and writing it and thinking about it, I've been every day Letting stuff go, right? Like going That's through and amazing. and as I'm going through my closet again for like the fifth time, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know what? This is a really great expensive ex officio mm-hmm. jacket. And it's beautiful and it's soft and it's lovely, but I don't ever wear it. Like I just yeah. don't. And someday I could, and you know, it's it's a pretty good color on me, but I just don't. I always choose something different. So even though it's good, even though it fits, even though it's the right color and if I'm not using it, I'm going to be brave enough to let it go. So I've been donating a lot to, there's a lady in our in my office who is collecting clothes for a charity that oh, she's wonderful. things overseas for. So I'm taking a new bag in every week nice. of clothes. But I'm noticing when I walk by and look in that thing and I'm like, oh, that's that new swimsuit I bought that I never wore. Oh, that's that was that's ah! a great skirt. Oh my gosh, I let all that go. But the only time I think that, the only time I think that is when I look in that box. When you other actually that, see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't even know it's gone. I don't ever think about any of this stuff. And I see that I lived through it. Like I lived through letting that really great piece of clothing go, even if it was expensive. I yeah. lived through it and I'm okay. And now I'm going to that place in my mind of it serving somebody else and, you know, being, yeah. doing good in the world on for somebody else. And that's even nicer because it allows you to do it. But, you know, I think the power of this challenge is get rid of one thing. Take the step, just take the step. Amidst the fear that we're talking Mm -hmm. about, right? Yeah, Let it go. Realize you live through it and that you're okay. And actually, you're probably even better off because you're better better off. That's
2: kind of the catch 22 of this one is that I don't want you to just grit your teeth and oh, let it go out the door. I want you to celebrate. Mm -hmm. I want you to realize that you survived that and celebrate it not just say well, well, okay, well that was the hardest thing i've ever done. Like that's just reaffirming in your mind that you should never ever ever let go of anything else again. But when you realize that you can let this go and you survived it and you actually feel better for it, take that, run with it. Do a little happy dance right there in your closet. Go treat yourself to, you know, your favorite, you know, iced coffee or your your favorite donut. I mean, go Reward yourself. I don't care what it is. Go take yourself out to a movie. Go do something to say, I did something hard. I did something, you know, that, that went against my better judgment just because logic said to you. Go celebrate it because what this is doing is it's rewiring your brain. You are actually creating new neurological pathways by saying, I'm afraid to do this. I did it anyway. I survived. Yay, me! And every single time you get rid of something and you think, oh my gosh, this is so hard. But I survived it. You celebrate it every single time because eventually it won't be hard anymore. Eventually your brain is going to say, great, we get, get rid of something else excellent, let's do this, you know, and all of a sudden your brain is happy getting rid of something instead of going, oh, no. So take it one step further and don't just get rid of it. Celebrate it. Let it go and then celebrate it.
0: Thank you, Ashley. If people want to get a hold of you to talk to you about their own personal decluttering, where can they find you? You can find me at rethinkclutter.com. Or if you want to hear more
2: tips and tricks and tidbits like all of this, then you can find me on Facebook at Rethink Clutter.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you, Lori. I appreciate
0: it. So here's another thought as we get ready to bring this to a close. You folks out there who have some serious clutter issues may not want to hear this, but it's a proven fact that people's emotional upheavals can manifest themselves and how they keep up their surroundings. So if your surroundings are a little rough, it may be an opportunity to consider what type of mental clutter might need to be unpacked in your heart and mind. So there's a professional organizer, her name's Star Hansen, and she says, quote, clutter is an external demonstration of our internal storms, unquote. I bring her quote in and I bring this thought in just as an idea. Let your clutter people inform you of your internal state. Use it as a way to sort of take stock. And sometimes it's a hard thing to look at. You don't want to, you know, look around you and go, oh my gosh, the inside of me must be a mess. But use it just as it to inform yourself. And if you're seeing that there's a lot of clutter around a certain space in your house, think about what is it about that space that elicits clutter? And then start that work of letting go, following some of these five steps that Ashley has talked to us about. If they are helpful to you, find the ones that are helpful to you in being able to let go mentally and physically. I hope today's episode has shed a little light onto the importance of editing our clutter. And on challenge number two of the 21 Life Connection Challenges, please hop on the website, share your comments and experiences under this episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts because everybody has different thoughts and experiences with this idea of what they surround themselves with. That website is loveyourstorypodcast.com and you can click on each episode that we've done, all 160 plus episodes. And then underneath, there's a space where you can comment. So if you've got some comments and ideas that you wanna share about it, I'd love to hear them. Thank you. This week's challenge is, of course, to get rid of at least one thing that you don't love that is cluttering up your closet, your cabinet, your desk, or your car. Take a step toward freedom and a cleaner joy. I'll see you in two weeks on the next episode of the Love Your Story podcast.